Talk 1110, 99.3 WBT. All right, we did have Ted Budd booked uh, for right now. If he calls in, we'll get him on. Um, but in the meantime, I did have another qu- another clip here to play from uh, Gary McFadden. I can do that. I mean, I'm going to keep going. I always have extra show prep. So, uh, But if Ted Budd calls, we will get him on. Uh, immediately. We do have Kevin, actually. Let me get Kevin on. Hello, Kevin. We were talking about uh, Sheriff McFadden and his uh, non-enforcement of non-moving violations. Uh, yes, sir. Yes, Kevin. Um, I wondered if he ever knew a guy named Rudy Giuliani who cleaned up New York with a program called Broken Window Syndrome, where they went after petty crime to clean things up, not just ignore them. That, uh, I can tell you that... Uh, uh, criminal justice reformers and activists on the left—they do not believe that that worked. They do not. They make the argument that that uh, that was a myth. So New York City cleaned up itself. Yeah, I think it was because of the lead paint not being on the walls or something. <laughs> I think that's what they say. Yeah, Kevin. No, I appreciate it. Yeah, the broken windows theory. I I tend to subscribe to that uh, to that idea because I'm originally from New York and I remember what Times Square looked like and New York City looked like when I was uh, a wee lad. And uh, I remember what it turned into. I know what it turned into. So, all right, we have Congressman Ted Budd joining us now on the line. Congressman Budd, how are you, sir? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Certainly. So uh, we've actually just been talking about um, uh, the the Mecklenburg County Sheriff, Gary McFadden, um, who has uh, announced a new policy. We've been talking about crime and enforcement and all of this. And I, I just took a call here right before you got on about uh, New York City and broken windows theory and this issue of crime. And I think I saw stats today where the FBI's crime stats now say murders are, uh, they're all up. It's all going up. Uh, so I don't know, is this, is this a national issue? And if so, uh, what does, you know, what role does the Senate or does Congress play in trying to get this under control, knowing that I, I think a lot of the, the problem appeared, uh, appears to be in some of the big blue cities? They really are. It's bad policy. It's more the policies that my opponent, Sherry Beasley, would continue. She's soft on crime. She's thrown out indictments for sex offenders. She's uh, done fundraisers with uh, leaders of the defund the police movement. Now she runs these middle-of-the-road ads. So what goes on in Washington, D.C. is certainly connected with what happens uh, right here in North Carolina, particularly in our cities. You know, we need to start treating the police and uh, our sheriffs and uh, uh, our deputies out there like the cops and, and the cops like the heroes that they are and start letting them do their jobs and stop putting repeat offenders back on the street, which is certainly a left-of-center policy. Uh, you know, we see, if you look at what the Police Benevolent Association uh, did and you look at the Fraternal Order of Police here in North Carolina, the North Carolina Troopers Association, all great organizations, Pete, they once had supported Sherry Beasley, but now they're out there and they're supporting me and they've endorsed me for this race. So I take their word for it about what matters in the U.S. Senate and how it affects folks here in North Carolina. So you have a debate with Sherry Beasley. It's on October 7th, right, Friday night. You guys are doing this. Um, So let me ask you uh, just sort of a strategy kind of thing here without giving away the whole game plan. I'm not asking you to do that. Um, But uh, what do you think she's going to focus on and what are you going to try to focus on? Well, look, the issues are on my side. I mean, if it's inflation, if it's economics, if it's the border, if it's crime, if it's education and parents all around the state wanting a say in their kids' education, the issues are all on my side. So I really look forward to this. 
and exposing, you know, the lies that she's put up on television, trying to run to the center, and that's not where she's lived her judicial career, and that's certainly not where she would be in the uh, U.S. Senate. She's Joe Biden, and uh, it's time for folks to know really what she stands for. So do you, do you have a, an idea of where she wants to lead you in the debate? Well, we'll find out on uh, Friday night and really look forward to the discussion. Yeah. Uh, we think Tim Boyan's going to be more than fair. You know, he's been a, he's been a good moderator, well-known moderator. He's got a good audience around the state. So we look forward to the discussion. Yeah, I know, Tim. He's he's good. Um, and so um, I, I've seen that she uh, she keeps hammering away, as a lot of the Democrats at the national level are, on uh, the abortion issue. And um, without... Uh, she I also point out she doesn't ever explain what her position is on when rights obtain for the fetus. I'm it's really to me like that's the clarifying question is when do human rights attach? Uh, because after that, then you can have discussions about the policy. Um, Lindsey Graham, I thought and so he got some flack because people are thinking he's trying to undermine Republican chances of winning. But I appreciate him running a bill to at least get some people on the record for when they think rights obtain. And he suggested 15 weeks. So. Um, so first off, I would ask just like, do you, have you seen his bill? Do you think his bill has merit? Um, is that something you would support? And then just at a larger level, when do you think rights obtain? I really like what the Supreme Court said, and that's more of a state decision than federal. But if Sherry Beasley's going to uh, voluntarily say that she supports the so-called Women's Health Protection Act, which is the most extreme abortion hill, uh, bill in history, if she's going to do that, then I'm going to counter that with the grand bill and support that, which puts us more in line with developed countries around the world, around 15 weeks. If states want to uh, modify it from that or go less, that's great. But, look, I am very pro-life. I want to save as many unborn children as possible. I'm always going to vote to protect life. But here's what Sherry Beasley wants. That's where the extreme position is. She wants abortion at any time. She wants it for any reason. And she wants it at taxpayer expense. And if you check with most North Carolinians, that's way out of step with where they really are on this issue. Yeah, and and it, if she doesn't believe that, she can't say that because she risks angering her base. So at the you know either way, I'm not sure what the difference is, right? Whether she believes it or not, I I can't detect what her belief is because she won't say when when rights obtain and what she would support and what she wouldn't support. Um, and as far as like the grand bill, it it seems like to me. It's a it's a good start. It's a good place to like take half the loaf and then come back later and try to work for the rest of it afterwards. If you could try to, you know, uh, do stuff later. But why not take something rather than nothing? At least to me, that's what it seems like. Um, you know, I'm going to leave a lot of that up to the political scientists and the strategists out there. I'm just a small business guy out there trying to make life better for North Carolinians. But I can tell you that she's extreme on this issue and abortion at any time for any reason at taxpayer expense. That's not where most North Carolinians really are. Yeah. Um, So you mentioned also um, on your website, uh, fiscal discipline, federal spending, restraining federal spending. How do you actually do that? It doesn't seem like there's will among, well, like anybody (laughs) in in Washington to actually restrain spending in order to combat inflation. I guess I should ask if you think inflation is tied to runaway spending. Oh, absolutely. Because if you go back to the old Milton Friedman, for those of us that remember his name, Mm -hmm. what would he say? Inflation is too much money chasing too few goods. And when you take trillions of dollars of spending, starting with Joe Biden in the spring of last year, uh, with the so-called, anytime they name a bill, it's exactly the opposite. They say the American Rescue Plan, it's the American Inflation Plan. 
And this Inflation Reduction Act, it's really driving inflation in the Green New Deal. So there's complete misnomers. All these trillions of dollars that they're pumping into the economy, it's chasing goods that aren't there because they've been, they've discouraged work. They've made it harder on small businesses. They've overregulated. you got too much money, and then you've got it hard for Americans to produce the goods that other folks need because they're really hard on the producers out there. So they're punishing folks for trying to do the right thing and meet consumers' needs. And, and it, that's what's driving inflation. And it goes back to that simple formula, too much money chasing too few goods. So you got to allow the goods to be produced. you got to be on the side of small businesses and innovators and job creators out there. And then on the other side, you got to stop this runaway spending because a dollar is best in, in individuals in a family's pocket, not in the government's pocket. Um, a little bit of uh, uh, the political scientist stuff here, I guess. Are you starting to see, I know you guys uh, kind of you know, are monitoring polling. I, I'm a trends guy. I don't look at individual polls so much. I just kind of like, like to see where the trend lines go. Um, and, and sort of the conventional wisdom is that you start seeing a break uh, the closer you get to the election, right? You start seeing like, uh, undecided start breaking one way or the other. Are you seeing any of that right now? Or because uh, I know what the absentee voting, right? It was already underway. You got early voting starting up soon. So are you seeing movement right now? Well, look, we've, we've been slightly ahead. I'd rather be in my position than I would in hers, but I'm not going to take anything for granted. You're right there in Charlotte. You know, NASCAR's got a big presence. I like to say you don't win by letting off the gas in the corners. So we're going to run <laughs> hard for the next 34 days. Um, and, and, you know, keep that to the political scientists and the consultants, all those folks. I'm going to just work hard. I'm going to go out there, stay humble, stay focused, ask people for their vote. And the folks, this is a, this is a question about, is this country going in the right direction? Are you uh, frustrated with where Joe Biden is taking this country? Because 70% of folks out there, they are. And they know that Sherry Beasley is a rubber stamp for Joe Biden's policies. So if they remember that, and I'm going to ask them for their vote, I'm going to ask them for their prayers, I'm going to ask for their support, and if people turn out to vote like we think they will, then we'll win. But it's never done until it's done, and we have to keep working for the next 34 days. And then comes the real hard work, and that's getting this country back on the right track. Uh, Ted Budd, Congressman, also U.S. Senate candidate for North Carolina, and uh, good luck to your Mountaineers, although it doesn't look like they need a whole lot of luck. Um, <laughs> they're doing very we'll take well. it if you're offering it. Yeah, all right, there you go. Uh, thanks for your time. We appreciate it. And you can watch him in his debate on Friday night uh, against Sherry Beasley. And uh, the website, right, tedbud.com, if I recall correctly. Yeah. All right. with one D, Bud with two Ds. Thanks so much. There you go. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Safe travels to you. Good luck on the campaign trail as well. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Thanks again to Congressman Ted Budd for joining me on the program. He's running for U.S. Senate. He's the Republican. Uh, and uh, he'll be uh, debating Sherry Beasley on Spectrum News. I think I think it's on Spectrum News. Is it? I mean, well, it's Tim Boyum from Spectrum News. And I, I trust Tim is going to do a good job. Um, I knew Tim going back, oh, gosh, 20 years almost when... Our paths would cross uh, on, you know, state legislative stories. If I was, you know, from here going up to Raleigh, I think we first uh, met covering a Leandro school trial where CMS got dragged up before the court. Judge Howard Manning <laughs> and uh, uh, Superintendent Jim Pusley was on, on the hot seat. Um, 
but so yeah, and so he's uh, moderating. And I worked with Tim for a little bit, obviously, at uh, when I was uh, did my stint at News 14 Carolina, which is now Spectrum News. So uh, I think he'll do a good job. And uh, we've got uh, the debate. I'm not sure though if it's going to be carried on PBS or not. It's on Friday night. I'll get to the details. Um, oh, also, I should let you know uh, the day after. So I guess I won't be, you know, playing any drinking games during the debate because the next day I'm going to be at the walk to end Alzheimer's. That is uh, at the what's well, the Gaston, Cleveland, Lincoln County's event. It's at uh, Rotary Centennial Pavilion, North South Street, Gastonia. Uh, registration is at 9 a.m. The opening ceremony and the walk is at 10 a.m. Um, and if... Uh, you want to come and uh, show up and make a donation or just walk, please. We're encouraging everybody to do so to help us end Alzheimer's. Just uh, this, It's a little personal for me. My grandfather had Alzheimer's. He died from it. And um, I've been a longtime supporter of the Alzheimer's Association uh, of, and the Western North Carolina chapter here. So uh, if you can't help us out, show up, walk, make a donation, whatever you can do. Even if it's just some prayers, we appreciate all the help. Um so, all right, Mecklenburg County Sheriff Gary McFadden, he appeared last night on the uh, uh, Brett, Win- uh, uh, Brett, Brett Jensen show, Breaking with Brett Jensen, at 7 o'clock here. And I pulled just a couple of the audio clips. We've been going over, actually, only three of them. But I have one more. I actually have more than that. But I have one more that I definitely want to get to because Gary McFadden, he ha- he he exhibits... What can best be uh, defined as the uh, the TIV, the tendency for interpersonal victimhood, TIV. He's constantly claiming victim status. I got this story here. Thank you from uh, this Barry, and I remember this story when it happened. This was from 2019. Because I was paying attention. Even up in Asheville, I was paying attention because Gary McFadden was one of a crop of uh, black Democrat sheriffs that had won election throughout North Carolina. Buncombe County had one. Mecklenburg County had another. And uh, and so there was they got they were getting a lot of attention. And so they were. And so I was watching what the different sheriffs were doing. And then when you made news, I recognized these places in the news. So I. I. I understood them, so I remember the story. Cornelius is from WSOC-TV. A safety operation or a speed trap aimed at targeting wealthy homeowners? That was the crux of a sometimes heated debate Monday, again back in 2019, between Cornelius town leaders and the Mecklenburg County Sheriff. Now, this was after he, well, they say here, the heart of the controversy is where the speeding enforcement happening, Jaton Road. It's a wealthy, primarily white lakeside neighborhood in Cornelius and a stretch of road with a speed limit of 35 miles an hour. McFadden said he would not have been called before the town commission if the tickets were written someplace else. Now, that might be true, by the way. That might actually be true. I know I sound surprised with McFadden is saying something, and I I do generally sound surprised. It it might be true. Um, But this might be true. You know why? I mean, not for the reason he's saying it. He's saying it's because privilege, and he actually says that during this big meeting, that it's, you know, it's racism, it's your white privilege and all this. Why Jaton Road? Was there a lot of, were there a lot of accidents there? Were there, were they having a problem with the speeding? 
where did they get did they get a request? And I don't know the answers to these questions. That's why I say it might be true that maybe some town leaders, although this story does not indicate any town leaders knew that this was occurring, but maybe there was a reason why McFadden picked that road, right? Like a legitimate non-data or a legitimate data-driven non-racisty reason, right? Like there might have been a legit reason. They say, "Hey, we're looking at the stats from around the county, and oh my gosh, look at this! Jaton Road—they're speeding all over the place. Got accidents and deaths and maimings and cats and dogs living together. I mean, real wrath of God type stuff, end of the world stuff. So maybe that's what drove the decision to do the traffic enforcement, the speed trap on Jaton Road, or, <laughs> or." It was something else. Or it was Gary McFadden looking at a white part of town, a wealthy part of town, and saying, yeah, let's go after them. And that would make our sheriff the bigot. That would make him the that would make him the racist. He looks at one part of town and says, I'm going to target them. Find me the man, I'll find you the crime. Right? That's what he did. I mean, unless, of course, there was some data that drove that decision to go to Jaton Road. But in his comments from the story, it seems like he picked that road because of race, because of the people who lived on that road. And he knew that if I just set up camp on a 35-mile-an-hour road, I'm going to get me some speeders. Because generally speaking, 35 miles an hour on most roads is too low. Yeah, our, uh, this gets to another. Uh, this gets to another topic that I have discussed, but probably not in depth. But the way we do speed limits in America is so stupid. It is so stupid. Our speed limits need to be higher on major roads, and they need to be lower on neighborhood roads. And the the design of the road makes people feel comfortable driving at certain speeds. So if you design a road for 35 miles an hour, people will tend to drive it at 35 miles an hour. You don't make a road and then just say, yeah, you know what? I think 35, right? There needs to be like, and one way to do this is to design, is to put the road down, see what the normal flow of traffic is and what the, the average speeds are on the road and then set it at that plus or minus five, right? Set it at that. So this way you're not trying to go out and create limits that are too low or too high. But neighborhood roads need to be lower. 20 miles an hour, 15, 20 miles an hour. And the interstate's, you know, 80. Seriously. And, and, and like 45 mile an hour, 35 mile an hour, major arterial roads through cities and stuff, that's, it's, it's insane. So, yeah, so I can go and set up on a 35 mile an hour road and get a whole bunch of speeders. So if I'm trying to get white people, I'm going to go to a white area. I'm going to find a 35 mile an hour arterial road and I'm going to nail them, right? And is that what our sheriff did? And is he, is he suggesting that 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 was fair game, that that's okay because of equity and I'm doing it as vengeance? I, it's okay. For, I'm going to target you because, because these other people think that they're being targeted. So this is, by the way, this is what Donald Trump talked about. This is exactly what he talked about, where he said if he is wounded, he will try to unwound himself by wounding others, which is not how that works. You don't unwound yourself by hurting others. But that's what McFadden is doing. Right? Unless there was data. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. 
I do have to play this soundbite. I got to play the soundbite. All right, this is Gary McFadden on with Brett Jensen on Breaking with Brett Jensen right here on WBT at 7 o'clock. Uh, last night, we had a caller named Chris who asked uh, how, uh, wondered how it could be profiling if the car is being pulled over for an expired tag. How is that profiling if the car has an expired tag? Um, I still do not um, accept the... Um, oh, hang on a second. That's the wrong... Hang on. That's the wrong clip. This is the right one. So if I'm driving a decent car and my tag's expired and I'm white, I still get pulled over? Yes. Wait, hang on a second. Let's re-rack that. Listen to caller Chris's question. Now, maybe McFadden misheard it. But Chris says, how is it profiling if the car being is being pulled over for an expired tag? And so if I'm driving a decent car and my tag's expired and I'm white, I still get pulled over. Yes. So now, now, here, now here's what you have to understand. Oh, please. And yes. Chris, thank you. For, I mean, uh, I think it's. Yeah. Chris, thank you for calling. Here's here's what you have to realize. We live in two different worlds. And so a lot of things that happen to you. I mean, a lot of things happen to me, don't happen to you. A lot of people of uh, African descent or color believe that they are profiled only because of their race, their car. And so what we are trying to do is say, no, you, you, it's not so particular that you're profiling with a tag, but do you pull a lot of tags that are expired and they're African-Americans? That happens, whether we want to believe it or not. And, you know, uh, and it's not... Anything that we say that we can do about it, and what I mean is people say, well, that is not really how it is. But when you talk to other people of African descent, people of color, African-Americans, blacks, they feel this way. They feel this way. So I have to listen to my entire community. If, Chris, if you said I got a problem going on your side of the city, I will come and help you, too. All right, so... Uh, the way what he's saying here is that the way to address these concerns of his black constituents is to go and and penalize white constituents. But if the white kids, OK, hey, what, he says if we got problems on our side of the city, then I'll go. He'll come help us. OK, well, um, I would like you to go target some other people. Uh, how about that? Will you do that for me? You realize like this is eye for an eye thing is just going to leave everybody blind, right? Again, maybe he misunderstood the question. I thought it was pretty clear from caller Chris. So if I'm driving a decent car and my tag's expired and I'm white, I still get pulled over? Yes. If I'm driving a car, my tags are expired, and I'm white, I still get pulled over? And he says, yes. So apparently, the... We're not going to be stopping cars for non-moving violations. Apparently, there's a carve-out. Right? There's a carve-out here. There's an exception. They are going to racially profile. They're going to racially profile white folks. Again, unless the sheriff misunderstood the question or misspoke when he was on the show last night, which... Listening to the entire interview and having listened to Gary McFadden speak at various events, misspeaking is kind of what he does. It's his jam. But um, so it is possible. But I will take him at his word and I will take him at face value here when when asked. I'm a white person. If I have a non-moving violation, 
I'm still going to get a ticket. And he says yes. So he's he's essentially directing his deputies to engage in racial profiling targeting white drivers. Is that correct? And it would be another piece of evidence, right? It's not outside the, the norm. Or should I say beyond the pale? It's... <laughs> Right, it's not outside the norm if he's already targeted the drivers up at Jaton Road in Cornelius and then got all upset when anybody dared to ask him, hey, why are you doing this traffic enforcement? That's not what the sheriff's deputies have been doing. And why are you doing this, first of all, and why are you doing it here? And he explained basically, well, this is the white wealthy part of town and you guys have privilege, even for asking that. But unless Jaton Road had some sort of, you know, massive spike of, um, uh, uh, of fatalities and speeding, and they were like, oh, please, Sheriff, come do this enforcement for us. But doesn't Cornelius have their own? Are, do they have their own police up there yet, or are they on a CMPD contract? I don't I, I don't know. Because like the six small towns, and they're not so small anymore, but the six other Mecklenburg towns, they, they would contract with CMPD over the years, and then some of them would get their own police departments and that sort of thing. So, yeah, I'm not sure. I, I, I'm sorry, I don't remember, and I don't know if... Cornelius has its own PD, but seems to me like that would be something that they would run or at least be a part of. Or maybe they requested it, but that never came out in that meeting, nor the reports about it. So seems to me like this was just the sheriff's office deciding we're on it. We're going to go up there and we're going to do a targeted enforcement campaign right there. That's what we and that was their choice. Now, why did they choose that road? Nobody seems curious about that for some reason. No one. No one has uh, thought to ask that. Uh, let me go over here to Stan. Hello, Stan. Welcome to the program. How are you? All right. All right. I was going to talk about one thing, but I'm going to say one point first and then get to the point I wanted to call about. But this will be quick. I'm wondering if I got pulled and I happen to be white, but they found out after I got pulled that the reason my registration was expired because I couldn't afford it either. I wonder if that would change things. No. In fact, so here, this is actually, this was um, according to the press release uh, that they put out. Or no, sorry, this is from WB, uh, WSOC-TV. Uh, the sheriff's office said stops for serious moving violations that threaten others will be made. And if you are stopped for something like speeding and they notice that your headlight is out, you can still be cited. So if you're speeding, they pull you over for speeding and then they find that you've got a taillight out or something or a non-moving violation, they can nail you for that. So obviously the racism still exists. Well. When I, when I do have one other thing, I know when I'm back during COVID, when I owned a small business, if you applied for the uh, COVID relief, there was like this EIDL thing where you can get like anywhere from a thousand to ten thousand dollars. So I applied. I only got a thousand. So I asked them to reconsider me for the ten thousand dollars. I was rejected because I lived in the wrong zip code. Mm. So I'm wondering, I'm wondering if this same process is used to determine what zip code to get certain aid, interest rates, money benefits or whatever no well now that would be bad because that's that was like that sounds like redlining is what you're describing and i thought that was bad i thought it, well, i thought it was too but again yeah. that's what they're doing yeah maybe maybe so yeah stan i appreciate the call uh let me jump over here to brandon get him on before the uh, break hello brandon yeah uh thanks for taking my call yeah a couple quick points um that definitely is redlining and the african-american community had to deal with that for many years, True. and that's why there is such thing as white privilege, because you are privileged to um, live 
or be white and be able to build wealth through your family through real estate. So there's definitely some white privilege going on and to to make it sound like there's not is so, so are you of the belief, Brandon? Are you of the opinion that the way to uh, cure racism is to engage in racism? One hundred percent, not the case. No, uh, okay. Well, that, the reason I ask is because that's sort of the Imbram X Kendi approach, and that's what you're sort of hinting at, which is that the way to uh, to remedy those past racist acts is to engage in racism now and to 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 preference one group over another now that's the way to okay, okay so what it, what do you call it when this happened in mecklenburg county mm-hmm. my cousin who's a white woman and one of my good friends who's a black male mm-hmm. went to the dmv they both had uh they do facial recognition now mm-hmm. both of them when they were young had multiple ids under the same face both got in trouble. Both had to go to court. My white uh, cousin, she got a slap on the wrist. Oh, don't do that again. My black friend, who's a truck driver, lost his CDL for six months. What's that? Well, considering I know absolutely nothing about the case, the rap sheets, the records, the... Nothing. Off- he's he's clean, college graduate, no nothing. What was the charge? That- it's having that multiple IDs. I, I don't know exactly what it was, but they both had multiple IDs from when they were younger. They fake, IDs. fake IDs. So, you're, so you're, they had fake IDs. Yeah, they they both got fake IDs, and then here. Did she have a CDL? Did she huh? have Did she have a CDL? No. So why? How could anything. she have lost a CDL if she? How is that a comparison then? Because she got a slap on the wrist. She what? didn't get in. She didn't get a regular license taken away. And did he get a did? But does he still have his regular license? No, he got his license and his CDL. And his CDL, because when you get the CDL, if you if you violate terms of the CDL, then you end up getting you lose your license as well. It's like a, it's like the concealed carry permits. Oh, okay, but come on, you're, this you're, is a, no, my, Brandon. My, my, I'll put you on hold, and I'll bring you back, and you can try to make a different uh, analogy if you'd like, or I'll offer some other point. Um, that's just it's a terrible. Uh, it was just a terrible example. So find a different example. Oh, he's gone. He just bailed. I was going to bring you back on. Um, because I look, I acknowledge, of course, I think everybody could that there are certain privileges that any society sets up in order for itself to be flourishing, right? And uh, four hundred years ago, this is the people who founded the society three hundred years ago, right? They what they determined to be the things that made them flourish. Some of which we disagree with now, so we can change those things. All right, I'm way late. I'll 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 come back to it. Hey, reminder, tomorrow night, 8 o'clock, Talktoberfest, Bo and Beth are kicking off the weekly live streams. So Bo and Beth will be on tomorrow, Thursday, 8 p.m. Go to the Facebook live uh, stream from uh, WBT's Facebook account. You can go to WBT.com for the details as well. Then Thursday the 13th, I shall join Vince Coakley. And then the 20th, Mark Garrison and Brett Jensen. And then the 27th is Brett Winterbull along with Bo and Beth. Talktoberfest, presented by Kristen Bernard and Power Home Team, Keller Williams, South Park. Go to WBT.com for the details. A couple of uh, emails real quick, and then I'm going to get back to the phone lines. We got uh, Jay, who said it took him over 10 months to get his concealed carry permit renewed after letting it expire. McFadden's ego has gotten the better of him, and I've known him since 1996. 
Uh, Anne-Marie said that she has written all the county commissioners, but nobody has uh, uh, written her back. Joseph says, from the news I heard about speeding on the John Bell, uh, even if it is by Whitey, should be the least of CMPD's concerns. But looking at the demographic statistics of random gun violence, good luck arresting any white people. I guess it's the price we pay to live in the post-summer of Floyd world. Um, Kevin says the sheriff is a psycho and unfit to serve. He should resign or be removed immediately. That man posing as law enforcement and wearing a badge is a danger to the community. By the way, CMPD plays speed trap shakedown on the John Belk frequently. Uh, I got a message that Cornelius does have its own uh, police department, which I thought it did, but I wasn't sure. I appreciate that. And uh, apparently, Jaton Road may have been chosen by the sheriff because uh, he lives up there. And I don't like these people speeding on my street. And so he targeted he targeted all the people because of that. And so then maybe he turned it around and was like, oh, you're racist or something because he didn't want people to know that uh, the reason why he targeted the robe is because that's where he lives. <laughs> oh, that would be classic. All right, let me go over here to Darren. Welcome to the program. Hello, Darren. Darren. Hello. Hello. Darren. All right, I'll put you on hold. Uh, you can check and see. Oh, Darren's gone. He just bailed. Okay, we'll go over here to Steve. How about Steve? Hello, Steve. Hi. Hey. I have a question for the sheriff. I'm a white driver with an Aspire tag, and I get pulled over. I inform the sheriff that I identify as black. Mm. I still get the ticket. Well, yeah. Well, first off, if you have the expired tag and you got pulled over, they would have profiled you as white, but you say you identify as black, which maybe then you just get a warning? But I don't know. Yeah, that's a compromise. Yeah, I mean, are they keeping the data on the actual stops, right? But because if he's saying that we can pull people over if they're white and have an expired tag, but not black with expired tags, then yeah, I don't know. I, 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 yeah, because then 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 they would be they would obviously be racially profiling, which I thought they were well, not supposed to be doing. When I said that's a compromise, that was. Pure sarcasm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I'm fluent in sarcasm. Uh, and so, yeah. I, know, I like it. <laughs> so I Have think, all right, buddy, I appreciate it. Yeah, so I think then, I think then the, uh, yeah, the compromise position there is you get the warning. Which, by the way, I'm going to just, just, you know, in true Jen Psaki style here, I, I do need to circle back to this. That the, uh, the compromise, or not the compromise, the, the, the way to build trust and goodwill among drivers who feel like a members of the community, whatever the community is that you're discussing, you know, the, I would submit all of the drivers of Mecklenburg County, right? Um, I would submit that a, a better approach, a way that you would actually uh, get more support from residents of the county would be to not write tickets after you pull them over. Right. If you want to use the non-moving violation, like you're driving down the road, you see, oh, my gosh, they've got an expired tag. They got a headlight out. They got a taillight out. They're not wearing a seatbelt. I'm going to pull them over. You pull them over and you look in and you don't be a jerk face. Right. That's all. You just you pull them over and you're like, hey, just to let you know you got a taillight out. Oh, my gosh. Thanks so much. OK, I'm going to you know, run your number, run your license or whatever, and then come back and be like, just go ahead and get that taken care of. And that's it. And that is actually more of a community service, do you not? Right? That, that that would, and then the person would be like relieved. Oh my gosh, I'm so glad he didn't find the kilo of coke under the. No, I'm kidding. But like that, <laughs> people would. I think people would 
appreciate law enforcement more after that kind of an interaction. Right? Because it doesn't cost them anything. They feel like they got away with something, even if they didn't. All right. We'll see you tomorrow. Don't break anything while I'm gone.